Are you ready to be stirred and receive an impartation of faith to move forward into all that God has purposed for your life? Welcome to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. I am your host, Elaine Haynes. I will be sharing what the Lord has given me through the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the Logos and Rhema words of God. Welcome to Stirring of the Waters, Episode 5. I'm Elaine Haynes, and today's podcast is Redeem the Time, Unstop the Wells. I'm going to open in prayer. Father God, I pray that every listener today and in the future, Lord God, who hears this podcast, Father, would have the spiritual sight given by you, Holy Spirit, to recognize the places where their wells have been stopped up, Lord God. And I pray for that grace, that effectual grace, to unstop those wells, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that it's your desire that we walk in the fullness of our destiny in Christ Jesus. So I pray, Lord God, stir today to unlock, to unstop, and bring forth so that we can move forward and fulfill that destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I mentioned um, this is a year, the Lord has told me, to awake, arise, and advance. And he gave me Ephesians 5, 14 through 17. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so in weeks past, we've talked about um, awake from the sleep, arise from those dead places, and that Christ will give you light. And now seeing, we walk circumspectly to redeem the time. So what does that mean? Circumspectly means diligently. And the root of it in the biblical is, to the highest degree, the utmost particle. In Webster's Dictionary, it means to be, this is very interesting, watchful and discreet in the face of danger, or risk. Now, this is what the Apostle Paul is telling us, to walk circumspectly, watchful and discreet in the face of danger or risk. Now, that doesn't mean fear, because it made note of that in the dictionary. It says it's different from cautious or wary. It's not being prompted by fear, but by carefully surveying of all possible consequences before acting or deciding so I think the context is to recognize the days are evil and that we need to redeem the time. And when you keep that in the forefront of your mind, you're recognizing that every moment we have an opportunity to live by the spirit or by the flesh. Every moment we have an opportunity to bring the kingdom to the earth. Every moment, if we have the eyes to see, may be a divine appointment. So we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us to redeem the time. And to manifest Christ in the earth. To do that, we have to unstop their, our wells. It's important to recognize that. Because when we walk out, we desire to walk out the revelation that we receive. If we don't address possible breaches in our wells, it will cause us defeat in the days to come. It will make us doubt at that point then, revelation even becoming reality. So there's an excellent biblical account about the need to unstop the wells. In Genesis 21, 25 to 33, we can read that there was contention with the Philistines over a well that Abraham dug. And he made covenant there with seven ewe lambs, and he named it Beersheba, or well of the oath, or covenant. 
This represents the eternal covenant through Jesus because the seven ewe lambs represent Jesus' perfect sacrifice. Seven is a number that means completion, perfection. And also rep so this also represents the sevenfold spirit of the living God. So Abraham, there was contention with the Philistines. Abraham dug a well and he made covenant there. This covenant extends to every generation. In Genesis 26, 14 through 25, Isaac, who was the son of promise, as we are sons and daughters of the promise of the covenant that we have through the blood of Christ. So Isaac, the son of promise, also in the next generation, he had to contend with the Philistines over Abraham's wells that were his covenant right. But we have to contend. We have many great and precious promises and we have to war for them. Every generation has to learn how to war. So there were three wells with Isaac. One was named Esek, one was named Sitna, and one was named Rehoboth. And the scripture tells us what those mean. Um, Esek means contention. Sitna is strife and hostility. And the root of it is accusation and enmity, which the enemy will do because he, he doesn't want us to take the land that he has taken that belongs to us, but he is taking it or has taken it and we need to take it back. And we know about the word enmity because the Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans. Romans 8, 7, the carnal mind, that's our fleshly mind, sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So we have to battle. What I'm reading here is we have to battle because of that enmity. You know, there's that part of our flesh that goes into agreement with the enemy. That's where we have the land that we need to take back. And there's contention that the enemy brings. So, but with Rehoboth, after we overcome, then we enter into an enlargement, a broader open place. When we defeat that Philistine spirit in our lives. This is pretty interesting. The Philistine line came from Noah's son, Ham's son. Misraim is what it means. It means house of bondage. It's also known as Egypt. And the enemy wants to keep us in bondage, slaves to sin, slaves to ignorance, to our inheritance. So what is the Philistine spirit in our lives? The root of the word Philistine means to roll in the dirt or ashes. It's self-wallowing. It's rolling about in a lazy, ungainly manner, like hogs wallowing in mud. It's taking unrestrained pleasure, indulging immoderately wallowing in self-pity, become or remain helpless. This is when we forget that we have the helper, the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus has already overcome all temptations. He was tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin. So we can come boldly before the throne of grace and ask for help in time of need. And we can overcome also in the power in which he overcame. We can overcome our flesh. We can overcome all the wiles of the enemy, all the temptations that he brings us. So the Philistines worshipped Dagon, the god of prosperity, fertility, authority, the worldly ways of prosperity, fame, and authority. And, the, and Dagon, who they worship, was the father of Baal, who identifies, it's identified with Moloch, human sacrifice. Baal represents, and part of that worship was sex worship, temple prostitutes, and so on. And Paul, again, tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18 and in 7 1 what agreement hath the temple of god that's us with idols for ye are the temple of the living god as god hath said i will dwell in them and walk in them and i will be their god and they shall be my people wherefore 
Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So again, this is the part that we have to do. We have to walk circumspectly to redeem the time, to gain back the land that's been given over to the enemy. Every generation, again, has to learn to war. And we also have to war to maintain ground. There will always be war over covenant rights in every generation. The enemy will contend with us. He'll stir up strife and accusation to try and keep us from laying hold of our covenant rights and blessings. We have to refuse to engage on that level and overcome by the power of the Spirit and move forward. God will bring us to victory into a place of enlargement. So the giant, if you will remember, David, the David conquered was a Philistine. So the question I'm asking is, what are some of our giants? I'm asking God, as I share some of these things with you, I'm going to ask, ask you to ask God to show you the places within you where the enemy has been given access. And I'm going to tell you a little bit. I had a vision a few years ago, I think it was three, during the beginning of the new break year. Um, I'm just going to tell you the relevant part. It was a long vision. I'm just going to tell you the relevant part. As I went through these big fiery gates where the Ancient of Days was and this huge warring angel, it was in a land that looked, it was very dark. It almost looked like a cemetery, except instead of headstones, there was treasure boxes. And they were all locked. And there was a demon over each one. There were many of them. And I asked the Lord, what is this? And he said that, that my people, there are treasures that are yet to be, that belong to them, but the enemy has, has access to them. And in order to have those treasure boxes, be able to open them, the enemy, where he has access in my people's lives, that has to be broken. So I'm going to address some of these usual giants in our lives. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, none of us have reached perfection. That's just a reality, and we won't until we see Jesus face to face. So there's always going to be things, issues that we have to deal with. That's just a reality. So there's lying voices. Now, I'm sure you all can agree. We never seem to arrive at not hearing lying voices. Every time I move to step forward, there's lying voices. They're usually kind of the same. They might take a little different way of saying it, but it's usually the same types of things. There's um, some of the roots of those are unbelief, fear, worry. The letting others speak evil over you can cause some strongholds and it can cause what it can what can happen is you what I mean by letting others speak evil over you is when people say things and let's just say it's something from your family about some way that you used to be that is speaking evil over you because you're a new creature if that's you know you're not that anymore and the enemy will come in and he'll bring his accusations saying you're this you're that and you know we, it's actually, it's actually advantageous to us at times to say, you know what, you're right, devil, but I'm a new creature. I'm under the blood. You know, you're right. I was that, but that person, that I'm dead and buried under that. I am not that person anymore. I'm a new creature. So we have to recognize those, those hidden thoughts also, because I've seen in my life that they will take you out. If you don't address them and you just let them fester, they're going to um, manifest in some way, and it's going to be like a sabotage against your going forward. So it's very important to, to address them rather than going under. What will happen is we'll go under, we'll get into a place of like numbness. 
we won't even like realize what we're just so under it all this oppression that we don't even recognize that there was a lie that we bought into and the reality is that you know what you don't address will get bigger in your head i'm sure you've all experienced that and if we don't stand firm on the truth the lies that others believe and speak will influence our heart because what we hear enters our heart through our ears you know there's a n number of ways that that words can enter us into our heart one is through our ears one is through our own mouth that's why it's so important to speak the truth over yourself and combat those lies you've heard and you know there's a um a, an old hymn that has a line in it one little word will fell him or take him down talking about satan and i read an article one time about someone who really had uh, had done some research on well what is that word because it doesn't tell you what the word is and he came up with all these words that he said you know some people said it was just saying jesus and they said well even the demons know his name and um so he didn't think it was that what he said it was his liar is just address him as liar because jesus tells us that the devil is is a liar and the father of lies so you just say liar you're right i don't have but god's going to supply you're right i can't but in god's strength i can and like i said before I, yeah i was that but jesus died for me and he that is for me he's not against me i'm a new creature where he sends he supplies he brought me to it he'll bring me through it there's a lot of things that we can say to address that so then there's also our our comfortable comfort com comfort places the familiar spirits the things that are they're not godly but they're comfortable to us we might not even recognize them it's important to recognize those familiar spirits kind of things we grew up with or or say before we were born again the um the people that we hung around with that that familiar spirit um and it also is can be us being asleep to the moment of divine opportunity because we're not paying attention because we're not walking circumspectly so another way that our wells can get um dry or stopped up i'll use both one is an empty source you know we need to continue to drink from the fountain of living water that never stops in first corinthians 12 and 13 paul says for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body whether jews or gentiles whether bond or free and we've all been made to drink into one spirit and jesus tells us in john 4 14 whoever to the woman at the well whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life now that's that springing up we continue to drink from the eternal life that jesus gives we we continue to drink from the word of god from the spirit of god so that our wells can continue to spring up into everlasting life and jesus tells us in john 7 38 speaking about the holy spirit he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water so continue to press in to continue to believe to continue to to seek what is what is the holy spirit saying right now what is he telling me that the father is saying that jesus wants me to do what what am i hearing by the spirit of the living god not by the the, the voices of the world or my own flesh so then what else can happen you can have too many side eddies that your water's being dissipated too many ways too many things in our hands too much demanding on your time then there's dirty water the flesh and the soul and you know i'm going to tell you that this is a profound verse if you're not aware of it first john 2 16 because we have to ask ourselves okay and am, am i do i am i thinking like the world thinks 
or am I thinking by the Spirit? Because we can be deceived. Jesus said that. Even the very elect can be deceived. So all that is in the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's the things we desire with our flesh. It's not just sex. It's the lust of the eyes, the things we look after. It says in Proverbs, the eye is never satisfied. The pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And we have this same temptation. It's the same temptation that, that the devil brought Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now, the serpent was more cunning. That means subtle. Than any beast of the field which the Lord hath made. He said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? In a mocking voice. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now she added something there. But Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, there's the lust of the flesh, pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. They had no covering. They saw their sin. They saw that they chose to believe the lie and gave dominion to Satan their covering was gone. We don't want that. It's so important to have discernment, to walk circumspectly, to pay attention. What are the voices? What am I hearing? What am I believing right now? So then we have, we can have bitter waters. Something got into our water. And bitterness can come from sin, from unforgiveness, from resentment. And Hebrews 12, 15 tells us, looking diligently, there's that word again, circumspectly or diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up. So you can have good things springing up. You can have a root of bitterness springing up. Trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, it's not just you that's going to be affected. It's going to be many people are defiled by your root of bitterness. And I'm sure we all have experienced that, being around people that are bitter. And we it doesn't feel good, and we walk away, and we feel like we've been defiled, because that's really what it is. So the Egyptians that came out with the Israelites on their journey tells, the, tells us that they were, it tells us in Scripture that they were a mixed multitude, faithless ones, complaining and murmuring. They yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? Listening to faithless ones can cause us to enter into that realm and we become complaining and murmuring. Now, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason because it's a, it's a Scripture um, section about bitter water. So after deliverance from Egypt, crossing the sea, exuberant praise and worship, they were three days in the wilderness with no water. Then they came to water, but it was bitter. It was called Mara, which means bitter. And my question has always been, was it bitter all along or only after they stopped praising when they started grumbling and complaining? So then they murmured against Moses and he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree and Moses cast it into the waters and the waters were made sweet. Now I have this um, in greater detail in my book, Moses Shocked in the Desert. So I'm going to just share a little bit of what he showed me with that that's in the book. The Lord showed Moses a tree which represents the cross. The atoning work of Christ on the cross brings fresh, sweet, life-giving water 
to every bitter experience that we cannot handle. He will make our bitter waters sweet when we recognize that he died for our sins. When we bring his mind into it, when we bring his resurrection life, that, that he died for our sins and now he's resurrected and he's given us life, he brings victory when we believe. The circumstances may look bad, but it brings an opportunity. We can murmur in unbelief and make our waters bitter, or we can believe God and he will make them sweet. He will make it better. We get to choose. Then there's also an example in <clears throat> with Elisha where they came to poison. He came, this was actually the first miracle that he performed after um, he saw Elijah uh, go up into heaven and he received fully the mantle and the double portion. So his first miracle was the people of the, of the nearby town told him there was poison water. So he went and he put salt in it. And and it's interesting because, well, what does salt represent to us when we have poisoned water? You know, it's a little stronger than bitter water. And we have two instances where it talks about salt, where Jesus talks about salt. One is in Matthew 5 and 13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Is it therefore thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men? In Matthew 16, 23, but he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now, that gives us a little idea of this need for salt as being about the Father's business, that our water can be poisoned if we don't continue to be about the Father's business. Because Jesus had been telling the disciples about what was going to be coming. He was going to be crucified. And Peter said, Oh no, far be it from thee. And he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art a fence unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. We have to be about the Father's business, walking circumspectly. The days are evil. We have a great and victorious inheritance before us. We have many great and precious promises. We have to lay hold of them. We can't be caught up in the ways of the world and the way that the world thinks and our own selfish interests. So one of the ways that that um, our wells can get stopped up is the sides of the well cave in. And to me, this speaks of not having good or strong boundaries or foundation. You know, Jesus addressed this in John 16 and 12. He said, I have yet many things to say unto you but ye cannot bear them now. You have to have a strong foundation of the word of God before he can really start revealing the mysteries and the deeper things and, and give you um, a blueprint, if you will, of a vision of where he wants you to go because he wants to, to have, the, have that strong foundation in you so that you won't crumble when, when hard times come your way because you'll understand that he's always with you. You'll understand that he's he is faithful. You'll understand that his word is true. It does not return void. And Proverbs 25, 28 tells us, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You know, sometimes our walls cave in early in life because of a traumatic event. And as we get older and we need to receive healing for that, we need to reframe those things to recognize God is with you. He is for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to to um, heal your bloodline. He wants to redeem 
your life. But we have to go along with it. We have to have our minds transformed by the Word of God. And faith is that strong foundation that causes our banks to stay strong. Faith comes by hearing. And how does hearing come? By the Word of God. The Bible tells us that the world itself was framed by the Word of God. And so is our world. We need to frame our world with intention by what the book says, by what the rhema word of God says to our situations and speak to those things in faith, what he says. He's, in this season, that when he's shaking everything that can be shaken and every foundation of self-orientation or personal kingdoms is going to be shaken. We need to stand firm in faith on our relationship with God in Christ, to stand firm in faith that we're about the kingdom, we're about his business, that we're not of the, of, in, we're in the world, but we're not of it. That we were sent here by God for a purpose. You know, one of the things that really, um, I think about this a lot. I think about the Hebraic mindset versus the Western mindset. Because the Hebraic mindset, they knew that they were called by God to be a people unto himself. And they were very aware that he was the creator of all things. That he was the God of the universe, king of the universe. They're very aware that everything revolves around him. The Western Greek mindset is that it's all about us. Even look at our culture, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Whereas God's more worried about holiness. The Greek mindset is based on man's knowledge and how much stuff you have, how much intellect you have, how much, how smart you are, how rich you are, all of those kind of things. That isn't what, that isn't what God's kingdom is about. It's all about him. We're here for a purpose. We're not here just to make a kingdom for ourselves. And I'm going to tell you in this time of shaking, you're going to cave in calamity if you don't remember God is with you and he's doing something in the midst. You know, in whatever situation you're in, how hard it is, God wants to do something and be glorified in it. He wants to see you raised up victorious. You know, when Jesus was taken by Satan, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, he went in there filled with the Spirit, but he overcame every temptation that the enemy threw at him, and he came out in the power of the Spirit. And that's what God wants in your life. We have to believe. This is key. Believe. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We, we need to be so filled with the Holy Spirit, so filled with the Word of God, that everywhere we go, it, that living water is flowing out of us. You know, and believing is not just mental assent. It's putting your trust in. Putting your trust in God. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 And according as his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. All things. How? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Everything that you need of is in him, is through him. Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 20, all the promises of God in him, Christ, are yea, and in him, Christ, amen, unto the glory of God by us. All the promises, every single one in Christ for us is yea and amen. And 
It's not something we have to work up. It's not something we have to try to make happen because it is God himself, Philippians 2.13, at work within us to will, to bring us, to will and to do of his pleasure. That's a powerful verse. God is always working in you to bring you to that place of being willing and to do of his pleasure. Another way your well can get stopped up that might be dammed up because there's no outlet. It's time to step out, to be intentional. There's a powerful set of scripture in Isaiah chapter 58. The whole chapter is powerful, but I'm just going to read verses 10 through 12. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of streets to dwell in. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that something to want to have happen in your life? All of us should want that. There's a power of being sent. New assignments bring new water. In John 9, 1 through 7, the man that was blind from birth who Jesus said the blindness was not caused by sin of him or his parents, but so that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He says, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. We need to say that. The night cometh when no man can work. The days are evil. I'm adding a little interjections here. He said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had then spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation means sent. He went his way, the blind man, washed and came forth seeing. So what the Lord showed me with this just the other day was that when Jesus spit, he was watering it with his divinity, his light into the clay, which the clay represents our flesh. And then he put it on the man's eyes and told him to go to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. He mixes his divinity or his light into our flesh. Then when we can see through that reality, the blindness veiling us from true identity is removed and we can go to the place of being sent. I'm telling you, there is power in being sent. Um, again, from my Moses book, I'm just going to tell you this Um this because it's powerful. There's a story, one of the stories of Elijah in there. When the water was dried up, he he had given told him to go to the brook, and the water he had water there, and the ravens came and fed him. But then the water dried up. It was time for a new assignment. A lot of times, when your water seems to be drying up, your source, I'm going to say, seems to be what you've been relying on. There's a new assignment. And with Elijah's case, the ministry then became the fresh new water source. He was sent to Zarephath, which means a refining. And his faith was refined in that place. And those new assignments caused new faith, new opportunities, and advancement into greater works for Elijah. And that's what happens for us. Sometimes he dries up our sources, our resources, because he, he wants us to stretch, to move into a new location, to move into a new assignment. And as we stretch our faith into greater works, they become new springs. Jesus said, 
My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. John 4.34 Isaiah tells us, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, pay attention, you'll see it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. And then this is a verse that has meant so much to me. Acts 26, 16. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I appear unto thee. Arise and stand on your feet. I'm sending you out. You're going to be my minister. You're going to be a witness of the things that I have done in your life and the things you're going to be seeing. And the things in which I will appear unto thee. That's that coming to bring glory to the Father through the works that Christ will do through us. We can encourage ourselves with this, Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, that's those things that are blocking up our wells, and the sin which so easily besets us, which certainly would dirty our waters, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We have to believe, we have to speak to ourselves, we have to continue to contend for the faith once delivered, to the saints. We need to work at unstopping our wells to recognize what are those stoppages. And we need to unstop our wells, leave wallowing in self-pity, rolling in the fleshly pleasures of self-indulgence and luxury. We know that the enemy will bring striving and contending and enmity, but we need to step into those covenantal promises and the finished work of Christ. You are a new creature. You are being sent. He's given you all power and authority, and he is with you. There's a, a beautiful verse in Numbers 21, 17, then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well, all you, all of you sing to it. And when I hear that, I picture the well within me springing up. Spring up, O well, all of you sing to it. So I'm going to read to you something that the Lord gave me regarding this and let it minister to you and let it take hold inside you and let it speak to your wells. It is time to sing into our wells with the word of the Lord. It is time to declare to the innermost parts of our being that our gifts shall come forth and multiply. It is time to sing to the wells that will bring our supply, that the kingdom is at hand and it is time to possess the land. The supply lines are open, I declare unto you. We declare they are flowing. There will be no strictures, no blockages. We will not allow our fleshly minds to be confused and confounded with the lies of the enemies. There is no lack to those whose hearts are in line with the kingdom of God, for he is a good king and will provide all of our needs. The supply lines are open and flowing. We sing a song of praise unto the king that we shall not want for any good thing. We will give and receive from his wells of supply. The wells of his glory will never run dry. Amen. Be blessed and sing into your wells. Thank you for listening to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit ElaineHaines.com, that's A-L-A-N-E-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com, for books, blogs, and spiritual growth. You can follow me on Facebook and subscribe at CPNShows.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you next week for the next episode.